Episode 154 of the Biv and James Isles Show. When fear drives your life. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 154 of the Bev and James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, I, I can't really start today's show without talking about what's happened in my local city in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm actually recording this show a little bit earlier, so I'm recording it the Wednesday before I release it, so... Uh, uh, it's pretty hard to think that most people wouldn't know about this, but I live in Christchurch in New Zealand, and um, on Friday last week there was a terrorist attack where 50 people were murdered in in a mosque while they were having their prayer time. Um, it, it's, it's it's an interesting time to be in our city right now. It's um, the, of the day. It was. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go into that much detail, but what I, I do want to go into is there's a few things that. Um, a beautiful about a horrible situation. So first of all, you, you just heart sinks. Um, your heart sinks for these people who this has affected. And, and like one thing I was talking, you know, I've got this running business and, you know, at a good run, we can get over 200 people to run. And you think, you know, I think they had 500 people in a church on the day. And you think to yourself, you know, 50 people, so, ten, you know, that many people in this small community just wiped out instantly and, and we actually put our run on the next day. Was, Joe and I thought really long and hard about it but we just felt we wanted to give, you know, exercise is just such a good healthy outlet and we, and we knew a lot of people would be struggling So and we just said, look, we're going to put something on, come along if you want and, and don't if you don't want to. Um, but just the next day when all our runners were there and, and quite a few people did and you think, imagine if 50 of our people had just suddenly disappeared and you can't, you, you just can't comprehend it. You really can't comprehend it, and it's um, it's just so so sad. But what the one thing there is some beauty that comes out of this, and um, you know, New Zealand has got a lot right in this one, and and I think New Zealand has got a lot right in a lot of ways because, first of all, our response has been pretty amazing. Like pretty much everyone in New Zealand has said, "This is not who we are." We we don't want to have a society where there's division, um, where there's racism, where where you would think that this is acceptable, and uh, you just see some of the marches and some of the, um, the the memorials that have been put on, and it's, we still haven't had the main memorials, and I can't even comprehend how many people are going to turn up to that. Uh, I'm also really proud of our leadership, uh, the politicians of New Zealand. Our, our leader Justin Ardern has been just a role model of what you want. From this time, uh, our media, our media has been phenomenal. That you know, you, you hear a lot about what you should not do when a someone commits mass murder, and you know they talk about not naming the person, not giving them attention. Uh, and there have been inter- international media who have quite well, I don't know if deliberately, but they have kind of shown aspects of the murder. The guy did it with a camera, so people could watch it on Facebook Live. Um, but New Zealand media have just. Just they can be so proud of themselves because they've done everything, you know. Like I don't even name the name of the guy. I couldn't. If you ask me now, for my life, you know, if if you ask me to name this person, I could not name this person, and that's because our media is not giving this person attention. And I just am really proud of that. 
it does bring up some good, th- you know, like the, the thing about this is it's, an, it's a learning opportunity for our community. And New Zealand has racism. And I'm sure all country has racism. And New Zealand does have division. Uh, we, we're never to this level. But there's, for me, on a personal level, it makes me want to hold my standards higher. And what I mean by that is, first of all, and, and, and this is something I, I'm quite pr- I can quite proudly say that I don't do, is that I'm never judgment, judgmental of race. Um, I think I, I was brought up in a little bit of a multicultural part of my city, um, where I had lots of friends from different cultures. So I've never really had a race thing, and my parents weren't racist, so I never had a race, you know, where you'd look down upon another race. Um, so that's not in me with anyway. But one thing I also try to do is just don't bunch people up into one thing. You know, I, I talked to my other podcast the other day how when I was a young man, I, I didn't necessarily understand homosexuality. I was, I wasn't like you know mean to homosexual homosexual people, but I just kind of never really got it. Um, and um, I definitely had some thoughts. Like I remember not liking the idea of gay men kissing. I remember that was a real problem for me. And then I started working in fitness, and fitness is very, you know, it's a very kind of homosexual world in both men and females. And um, and, you, and kind of at week two of working in fitness, you realize pretty quickly that these, we're all just people. We're all just people. And sure, and, and there are bad people, and there are people who we don't necessarily have to like, but generally speaking, that's not a, a bunch of people. That's just individuals. It's not that one type of person are all bad. It's not that, you know, it's, sure, there are bad people, but it's it's not one type. And once you start looking at the world and, and types of people, you're really limiting yourself. And so I, I think the one thing I want to encourage is just, if you are t- typing people, you know, in ways where you actually look down upon them, you know, and let's be honest, you know, Muslims and those of the last period of time, because a lot of terrorism has been from Muslim communities, um, They've been stereotyped, but if you if you spend time with them, the basic human needs are the same as everybody else. Like they just want to love, they want family, they want to provide. That you know, the majority of these people, the overwhelming majority of people in all areas of life, kind of just want the very much similar things. We just want love and to care for our loved ones, and and you know these important things. But secondly, the the thing that I'm really going to work on. Because one thing, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. You know, like most people, I like people to like me. Uh, and one of my downfalls of my people pleasing is sometimes I won't confront in, in difficult situations. And like I said, New Zealand does have a level of racism. Um, and there's, uh, you know, like like I mentioned, all countries. Uh, and sometimes people can make not major racist comments, but they can just make slightly racist comments. And there's been situations in my past where... Can you really be bothered bringing it up? Can you really be bothered confronting it? Um, and, and I've got to be honest, and many times I haven't. And this experience has made me determine that I'm going to be more defined in that moment. And and I will just, I'm not going to put up with it. If you're going to be racist around me, I will just let you know that I don't agree. I don't think you're necessarily true. Um, and uh, I'd rather not talk about this if this is how you're going to think. And it may lead to an uncomfortable place, but I, th- I think the non-saying something is ultimately makes, you're, you're telling people in some ways, like I had an experience a few weeks or a couple of years ago, I was doing a work with this guy who was um, 
he was basically a, a bit of a chauvinistic pig. Yeah. Um, and, and I was in this room with him and he's just blatting on about females in, in a really, really bad way. And uh, and he's the kind of person who you can't really get a word in him with. And so I'm kind of just sitting there and, and I didn't agree with him in any way, shape or form, but he's just kind of going on at me. And I remember someone walked in the room and it was a female walked in the room and he didn't really stop. He just kept talking. And I remember thinking, oh, I, w- I hope she doesn't think that I feel the same way. Um, and, and he just continued on. And I, and I did say that I don't agree with him, but by not saying something when she was around, you know, he, he was probably thinking that I was agreeing with him. And so for me, one thing I'm going to take from this experience is A, continue to promote that our job is to to spend time with different types of people, to realize that we are kind of in many ways very similar. But secondly is to, to not let behaviors that ultimately divide us go under the carpet. And in many ways, I know what happened last week was a very extreme version of that. But in many ways, there's lots of small versions of that, which I know I've let go in my life partly because I want to be liked partly because I don't want an uncomfortable situation but actually from here forward I'm going to be the person who is going to stand up and say actually I don't accept this type of this kind of your thinking in this area and uh, and here's why so that's why I want to share it's, it's a horrible time it's horrible but also actually in some ways quite a beautiful time and and while these 50 people and their families have to go through so much I hope that that the outcome is, is that there's more love and more acceptance and not only in our community but in many communities around New Zealand and the world. Uh, today's show, I've got a really interesting show today because I have, it's, it's very much based on an experience I had with a client and a really, really powerful experience. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that pretty much straight away. I'm actually going to go into the patrons after the show, because it kind of feels inappropriate to kind of promote patrons straight after I've kind of done that thing around uh, what's happened in Christchurch. So uh, the patrons, I'll, I'll mention the patrons at the end of the show. So here we go. I'm going to get into the main gist of the show right now. It's funny when you do this mentoring work that I do, because um, often you know, you often start, you know, so the kind of works like this is that I have a session with somebody and we kind of normally talk for an hour. Um, and within that hour, we're kind of just trying to work through some things in this person's development and depending on where their development is and which area it is, you know, my job is to kind of understand and guide and kind of get into another place. And and then what happens is at the end of the session, I kind of give them homework and the homework is the kind of the real, real change kind of happens. And then when we catch up the next time, I may start with how'd your homework go, or I might just say, give me an update on where you are. And one of the really interesting things about mentoring is when you just say, give me an update on where you are, people kind of just give you an overview. And sometimes sometimes that leads you down a completely different path, because where they are right now needs addressing right now. And sometimes it's just a quick update, and you'll go towards what you're working on in the last period of time. And sometimes it might just bring up something totally field. But then other times one thing can happen is that you can, they might start talking about something, but you know they're holding something back. Like you know that as they're talking to you, they're giving you surface. And I've had some some quite extreme examples of this where someone's just giving me surface and then when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, they can get quite emotional and um, when they finally let go. And I think one of the things that's nice about the relationships I have with my clients is that I am someone in their world that they can trust, 
but I'm not really in their world. And for many people to have the ability just, just to, to express freely where you know it's not necessarily going to affect anybody in your world makes it a really freeing experience. So I had a session with a client oh, about two weeks ago now, um, and they came in and I kind of just started with it, how are you going, and, and uh, started giving me an update, and, and I could tell something wasn't up. And so we kind of talked about something for a little bit of time, and there was some learning in there, and we kind of went with that, and then I kind of just said, is there something else? And uh, it got a bit emotional. And this person was emotional because they felt they had a sickness which they thought was going to be quite a serious sickness. Now, I don't, I don't actually recall if we identified what they thought they had, but basically they had something in their body which made them feel that something was up. And when I say something up, it was a very serious something up. So I imagine in their mind, they probably thought that they were heading towards death. So I don't, again, I don't know exactly what they've, we didn't actually address what they thought they had, but um, let's just say they thought they had like a cancer. So it was pretty emotional. Once they revealed what they were going through, it was a pretty emotional moment because suddenly you're dealing with someone who thinks they have cancer. As we started to talk, it was a really interesting experience because I kind of just started talking to them about, okay, well, tell me what, what you're going through. And so basically what had happened was they had this thing in their body which obviously wasn't right. You know, there was something wrong with them. And they did the old Dr. Google. So when they first got this feeling in their body, the first emotion they felt was fear. They became fearful of what they had. And so they did that kind of self-analysis where they jumped on Google and they started to search what this could mean. And, you know, one of the jokes we will say about Dr. Google is that we'll end up, you know, pretty much on deathbed if we go to Dr. Google. And that's often said as a joke, but for this person, that was very real. That They started to search all the symptoms that they were feeling and it reinforced that ultimately they were heading down a really horrible path. Now, can you imagine, and, and I imagine people who have listened to the show have probably overcome things like cancer, and um, and for those who haven't, can you imagine when suddenly you're confronted with your death? Can you imagine it? I, like, I, I can't. I, can't, I have to admit, I'm, I'm the kind of person who doesn't think about death much, um, and probably the only time I've ever really felt it. Like about it was once in a really terrible plane flight where there was a, a five second thought of wow this could be the one um, but other than that I don't kind of think about this but I can imagine if you suddenly think you have cancer and that you know you're going to die it becomes pretty overwhelming and that was the experience my client had that they went on to Google and they did the research and they determined that they had something that was leading towards death and they got emotionally overwhelmed like hugely emotional. and again can you imagine what that would be like and so they got emotionally just so emotionally overwhelmed to the point where highly stressed because all that was on their mind was the sickness to the point where they didn't sleep because they're up all night worrying about what they were going through they started to build this kind of story around this experience they started to build this um 
yeah, this this story. And it was interesting when you talk about the story. I'm kind of kind of thinking about the story they're telling me. Is that that got to the point where they were starting to think about what how how would their partner survive when they've passed away? So they're thinking. You know, we talk about worry. I often think worry is. Um, concerned about the future and keep building that concern to deeper and deeper into the future and that's what this person was doing they were, they were literally seeing a life once they had gone and it was a pretty pretty horrible experience now what was really fascinating as we're talking to them so so the fear came along they fed the fear the fear overwhelmed them and they got very emotional but then also they acted upon the fear. And then this is where it's pretty interesting. Because they act upon the fear. And, and while I say they acted upon the fear, the thing they did was inact. So they, they didn't do something. So they didn't go to the doctor. They didn't go to the doctor. And the reason they didn't go to the doctor was they were fearful of the confirmation of what was going to happen. They were fearful of the confirmation of what you know, the confirmation of what they had already thought was happening. This is a really interesting kind of experience for me to be in to work through with this person, because while they felt sick, there was it was really hard to know if that was true, and we couldn't deny that they were because there was a chance that they were, but at the same time. They had done a couple of things that it really made this whole experience a whole lot harder than maybe what it could have been. And the first thing was, is that they fed the fear. So suddenly they felt some symptoms around sickness and they went to a place of fear straight away. Oh my God, what does this mean and where could this take me? And then what they did after that moment is they fed the fear. So what they do, they jumped on Google and they started to reinforce that the symptoms lead to a higher place. So they, they looked for actions to reinforce the fear that they were experiencing. Then what they also did is they didn't act, they acted upon the fear. So the example of the doctor, they didn't go to the doctor because they were so fearful. So their actions were determined by the inner fear that they experienced. And then lastly, what they didn't do is they didn't look after their emotions. They got emotionally overwhelmed. And we all know what we're like when we get emotionally overwhelmed. It just builds a bigger, bigger story that becomes almost impossible to get on top of. And that's what this person did in this moment. You know, like not sleeping. When you've had a bad night's sleep, how are you the next day? When you've had three or four bad nights sleep and you're a bit emotionally drained, how are you after that? So this person was not looking after their emotions. So as we sat in the session, we kind of we, we identified those three things. We said, first of all, fear is leading this experience. Your fear of death is, is leading this experience. And what you are doing is you are feeding that fear. You're looking, you, you're going on Google, you're reinforcing that fear, and so on and so on. The second thing you're doing is you're acting upon that fear. And then the third thing you're doing is you're not looking after your emotions. And not looking after your emotions, and a good example of that was they hadn't actually talked to their partner about this because they were emotionally drained and of the fear. Whereas talking to your partner at a time, this is a really important part of dealing with the emotion of what you're going through. So they weren't using good tools at this time to work through their emotions. So we're kind of set in stone... Um, 
we kind of set, set in stone around what, how, how could they work through this. And we kind of set some basic rules. And the first basic rule was, you're not allowed to feed the fear. You're not allowed to feed the fear. Now, it, we weren't to say you can't experience fear. Because, again, if she went to the doctor and it is something like a cancer and it was looking pretty serious, that's going to be a fearful experience. It is. So it's not that we're trying to deny the emotion that you're feeling. But what we don't want to do is to feed it. Because the feeding of the fear just makes it worse in the situation. So the first rule was was to allow yourself to experience it, to uh, you know, be in the emotion that you're in, but not to feed it. That was the first thing that we talked about. So from this moment forward, they weren't allowed to go on Google or go do research or you know, go into deeper place around that. Second thing they needed to do is to take actions that weren't based on fear. So the obvious action we needed this person to do was to get to a doctor. But we had to remove the fear away from it. So we had to say that you had to make actions based on rational thinking. And that's where the third step was really important because we had to deal with the emotion. And so we had to say, your main job right now is to be using your healthy emotional tools. Now I've been working for this person for a while and they've got some really good tools that in a normal time they would be using, but admittedly at this last moment they hadn't been using because they'd let fear drive, they got fatigued and they just fell away from these tools. So for this person, we identified, okay, what are the tools that we know work for you around keeping in your good emotional place? And then how do we make sure you're doing those every day? Like your number one priority right now is to, to put those tools in. Like for me, it's my meditation, it's my piano playing, it's doing some exercise, you know. Uh, you know, that's how I'm going to look after my emotions. Hopefully you know what yours are as you're listening to this right now. Like what are your good emotional tools? Because we can say don't act upon fear and act from a rational place. But when you're emotionally drained and you're emotionally all over the place, it's pretty hard to act from a rational place. Whereas if you can look after your emotions and process them in a really healthy way, then you tend to get to a more rational place. And, and actually going back to the horrible event that's happened in Christchurch, one, one of, you know, like, there's so many people who added so much value to this experience. And, and, and I don't think myself and my, my world has added a huge amount of value, but I do think fitness does add value. And because you've seen people come along, and we have a runner who's, I don't want to go into too much detail, but has had a massive involvement in what's happened over the last period of time. And coming along to running for them this week has been so important for their emotional well-being. So, and, and they've expressed it to me. They've said, I, I really, really, really need that this week. And uh, what this person's gone through, I, I don't want to go into detail, but it's pretty extreme. And to have this outlet this week is so important for them just to get through this time. And often when we use good emotional tools, A, it helps us to just find a better place. But B, it also helps us to find a more rational place. Like, have you ever had a time in your life where you've really been struggling emotionally and then you might do something like a meditation or go for a run or um, talk to a friend or do a creative hobby and then after you've done spent that time doing that, you're just, you're just in a better, you're more equipped to deal with the real problem. 
Like uh, I had an experience recently with my running business. I had a problem with my running business and I was really stressed about it. And and I, I just couldn't find any answers. And I went away and meditated. I got back from it. And because I was dealt with the emotion, I was just more rational. And, and suddenly it just appeared to me the answer. And that's why emotional tools are really important at times like these. Because while I can say don't act on the fear, if you're in an emotionally drained place where it's kind of an overload, it's pretty hard not to act on the fear. But if you use good emotional tools, then what tends to happen is you, you dissolve the fear a little bit, which then allows a rational process to come through. And then ultimately you act upon the rational process. And this is what I talked about with my clients. So we kind of see the three objectives. A, no feeding. B, use your job is to prioritize your emotional tools. And ideally, like I talk about often in this show, is that you want to find, you know, not just one tool, you know, use three or four tools every day. Talk to a mate, ring a mate, go for a walk, uh, do some creative, whatever. Just use, you know, front load the crap out of that stuff. And that was what we we're saying. And then, then what we said is after you've used emotional tools, then think about how to problem solve or how to take actions based on a rational place. So my client went away, and I said, look, let me know how it goes either way. And and eventually, well, pretty quickly, they got to the doctor, and I got an email with them back from after they sent a doctor, and I said, look, turns out it's not that bad. Turns out, obviously, I'm not healthy, or not, not unhealthy, but there's a sickness, but it's nowhere near what I thought it was. And they just said, what an amazing experience to go through. What a, what a fascinating experience to go through. Maybe not amazing was the word, but quite a, what a fascinating experience to go through. And often this is what happens when we respond to emotions that aren't good for us. This example is such an extreme example of someone who let fear take over and led to a place which ultimately was just really unhealthy for them. Turns out, thank God, that they're in a much healthier place. But what can we take away from this experience? To me, there's a real couple, there's a couple of important things. What we can take away from this experience is we are going to experience emotions that can be overwhelming. We all do. We all do. I, I myself, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, a situation in my business where I felt my business was under threat. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a scary, I can't remember what the emotion was, but it was very, it was an insecure moment for me and I was very insecure and there was a couple of things that were making me think this and at first, uh, and Joe and my wife felt the same way as well because we both, you know, it's our business, um, we both started feeding this and then eventually Joe said to me, have you seen what's happening? And I, and, and I was like, actually no I haven't because I've stopped feeding it. And, you know, and then she's like, oh, actually, I should probably stop feeding it as well. And and, and as was often the case, our, our, our fears were, were kind of incorrect. <laughs> uh, we were fine, but it was, you know, we had to work through this. And if I'd let the fear overwhelm me and if I fed the fear, acted upon and didn't look after my emotions, A, I could just would have stayed in that place for way too long, and B, who knows where that would have led. But luckily, I, I caught my the experience that I was in and I was able to kind of move on from it and get to a rational place. And that's kind of what I want you to take away from today, is that we are all going to experience these times where emotions that make our life harder pop up. And sometimes, sometimes, 
it's justified. Well, not you know, not just not, but maybe not justified. But sometimes it is real. Like if my client had gone to the doctor and it turned out to be really bad news, that is real. And so that fear is still going to be there. You know, so it's not just that sometimes we make these things up. Sometimes they are real. But even then, we still don't want to feed it. We can't feed the bad emotion. We've got to look after our emotions, and then we have to act upon a rational place. And if we can do those three things well, we'll get through it A, faster, B, wiser, and C, more healthier for ourselves. Because ultimately, the unfortunate thing for my client was, you know, I talked about how at the beginning of the session, they didn't know, you know, I could tell something was up. It was bottling up inside them for however long it was before they saw me. You know, they were isolating this emotional experience as much as possible. Whereas if they hadn't fed, if they'd acted upon and had used good emotional tools, they would have been, the whole experience would have been a much healthier experience for them. So today I'm not, obviously it's a bit of a different show because it's kind of a, 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 an interesting experience that I've had. But I just wanted to share it with you. And, and I think, what can you take away from this? Well, maybe just start to catch when you're having emotions that are working against you. And just ask yourself, maybe reflect upon them. Are you really good at feeding them? Are you really good at, at neglecting your emotional tools at those times? And, and do you act upon those emotions? And if you do... Maybe you want to kind of reinforce that your job is to not feed the emotion, to accept it's there and that's okay, but to not feed it, to use great emotional tools and, and to not think that's a letdown, to actually do that wisely and then to act upon a rational place that comes after good emotional tools. If you can do that, I truly believe that these times in our life which we all experience can actually be dealt with in a much healthier way for you and your life. been a bit of a full-on show today isn't it we we talked about the tragedy in Christchurch and then we talked about all this kind of stuff around uh death and stuff but hopefully there's some good messages in there because um all we can do is learn I suppose isn't it all we can do is learn so learn and love man love somebody today guys love somebody and and even if it's you love yourself there's nothing wrong with loving yourself you should love yourself jeez you know you're not perfect no one is <laughs> you're not you've got quirks about you and there's quirks that you maybe never get on top of um but that doesn't mean you can't love yourself you've got to learn to love yourself and your, your and your world give love to your world man it's 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 so important it really is i want to say thank you i'm gonna give some love to my patrons that's what i'm gonna do right now Where, where's my patrons i'm gonna put up my patrons list what i do is I normally pause but today i'm just going to it i'm gonna go fitness behavior that's because it's what it used to be called nicknames here we go here's my here's my supporters of the show these people we absolutely rock we've got rule street fighter brinko we've got josh complete grit alice we've got sabrina the number one pick we've got ruth on fire a new stub we've got george monopoly man we've got dean the cool cube kubi we've got rachel walking on sunshine debusk and we've got anna do it dungy these people support me and what i do in the show and if you want to support me too go to bevanjamesisles.com and you'll see there's a little patreon link on there and what happens is each time I release a show, you just donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way and it supports me in doing what I am doing. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really, really important thing because, um, oh, well, well, no, well I, I appreciate those who support me. And you also get a cool nickname. 
Um, I just want to finish on something that's a little bit more positive, and it's um, it's this thing of um, make sure you make sure you tell people the good stuff. That's what I'm going to do. I want to challenge you. I want to finish today's show with a challenge because it's been a little bit more bleak than maybe what we normally do, but um, also important. But I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge the crap out of you right now. And here's what I want you to do. I, I release this show every two weeks. So in two weeks, we have 14 days. 14 days. Here's a challenge for you. I want you to compliment 14 different people on 14 different things over the next 14 days. We'll call it Bevan's 14 challenge. We'll call it the 14, 14, 14. 14 different people, 14 different things, 14 different days. But I don't want you, I, I want, uh, here's, I don't want low level compliments. I want high level compliments. And what I mean by that is I want you to find something really great about the person. You know, so like one thing I've always been good at is I've always been good at noticing and saying the noticing. What I mean by that, someone's had a haircut, I'm going to lip nice in their haircut. And I'm going to lip no, I like it if I like it. Oh, you know, I'm going to say, hey, good haircut, looking sharp. I've always been good at that. It's kind of low-level praise, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, oh, it's nice to know someone likes my haircut. But high-level praise is a good example of this. There's a guy at the gym called Adam. He's, a, he's an instructor. And God, he thinks about other people. <laughs> like uh, I, I teach this class at the gym called Grit. Uh, and I didn't have one of the releases and um and normally you buy them and I couldn't get hold of it and and so he brought, he brought a memory stick to the gym he remembered to bring a memory stick to the gym and he gave me the memory stick so I had this release and then coming up in a few weeks time they're changing one of the uh, the my timetable slots one of my classes to a different version of the workout we currently do and uh, I don't have any of the versions of that now my manager who manages me um she sent me through all the releases that I need because obviously there was a change. But this guy, Adam, he, he emails me. He goes, Bev, I can get that memory stick to you and get all those new releases because I know you're changing your program. And I was like, who does that? Like, who does that? And so I just went back to him and I said, mate, I've, actually, Em's looked after me. I'm in a good place. But I really love how much you think about other people. I just think it's a really special character trait and I think it's pretty cool that you do that. Now that's that's the next level, isn't it? That's now now admittedly that was a kind of an easy one because he just helped me out, or at least he thought of me and tried to care for me. Um, so you can do that level, but you can also do notice when someone's doing something great. Man, I really noticed how hard you worked on that thing right there. I really, um, I really appreciate that you do this thing. I really love how you do this. When I see you do this, I'm inspired. So that's your challenge. What is it? It's the Bevan 14 challenge. And what is it? 14 days, 14 different people, 14 different um, praises. And, and what I'm going to say with this is I want you to notice what happens when you do it. So so there's, there's some learning in it for you. What happens when you do praise someone? I was speaking about it with our, uh, at the gym right now. We we're having a team meeting with one of the programs I teach. And I was talking about how one thing I do when I teach is I often stand at the door and I just say goodbye and all the rest of it. And we're trying to think about things we can do just to kind of build classes because that's what we're there to do. And I, and I thought about when I first started teaching, there was an instructor by the name of Chris. Actually, I've interviewed Chris on this podcast a while ago. And um, Chris stood at the door and, and as, no, uh, he saw me at the gym one day 
And I was walking through a gym and I did Chris's class. This is just as a member before I was kind of teaching myself. And Chris said to me, man, he didn't even know my name. He said, hey, mate, I love it when you come. He said, I love it when you come to your your class. No, sorry. I love it when you come to my class because you just work so hard. Nobody works as hard as you do. I love it when you come to my class. You work so hard. Nobody works as hard as I do. Now, how do you think that made me feel? And how do you think that made me feel when I went to his classes? How do you, what kind of standard did that set for me? Like when I went to his classes, I absolutely destroyed myself. And as I was talking to my class the other day, I was saying how I stand at the door. I was talking to other instructors the other day. I stand at the door and I always say goodbye to people, but I don't do the Chris thing enough. I don't say, hey mate, I really saw you push hard in the end of that peak track today. Or I love it when you did that silly thing we were meant to do. Or, or just, hey, I love it how you're always at my class. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, thanks for coming, but there's higher level praise. And what I want you to experience when you go through this higher level praise is I want you to just see what happens. How do you feel about yourself when you do that? How do they respond to you? What's your connection like with that person? I can kind of guarantee right now that all of it will be good. So that's what my challenge is for you. Because I tell you what, if we're going to all be praising each other a little bit better, the world's just going to be a better place. And that love thing, is going to, and actually, here we go, day 15 of the 14-day challenge, you have to find 14 reasons to praise yourself on the last day. Wooza! Where'd that come from, Bev? Just out of nowhere. So, for, okay, here we go. I'm just layering, layering this on top of you guys. So, every day, you've got to praise somebody, deep praise. Do that 14 days, 14 different people, and so on. Then... On the last day, you have to praise yourself and own it 14 times. That's a lot. I know. So you might need to set, maybe a way you do it is you set an alarm to go off every half an hour for the day and you've got to find something to praise yourself about in the half, last half an hour. I know, I know, I know. It's, I didn't say it was going to be easy. But also, no yes buts. You're not allowed to go, oh yeah, but I can praise you, but you've got to own it. Own your praise. I was, I was coaching a runner the other day, and this is a runner. She's done so, so well. And what does she do? Whenever I give her praise, she always goes, yeah, but. And I was like, no, you've got to stop that. You're no longer allowed to go, yes, but to me. When I give you praise, you've got to go, thank you, Bevan. And inside yourself, you've got to go, I'm allowed to own this. Okay, so Bevan's 14-day challenge. 14 different people, 14 days, 14 different praises. Day 15, 14 praises for yourself. Let me know how you get along. If you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you want to uh, spread the word about the show, a couple of things will really help. Facebook it, Twitter it, just email somebody you really think would get a lot. I've got a lot of my mate Porno, he always, he always emails me good content. Um, so if you're, you know, email this to somebody if you enjoy the show. Also, if you are on your podcatcher, so it might be iTunes or Spotify or whatever, it really helps if you put reviews up. So if you can put a review up, that'd be really great. And then um, that's about it. I'll be back in two weeks' time. I think I've got an interview arranged for two weeks from now. So hopefully we'll be back in two weeks' time. And uh, thank you for your time. And keep being you. It's me out for now.